You are now tuned in to the Financial Advisors Playbook, sponsored by Carson Group. Through coaching and guidance, we make the complex simple for advisors who are in the trenches today. Each episode, we'll cover a new topic which focuses on the future of our profession and the ways in which you can achieve growth with balance. Thank you for joining us today on Financial Advisors Playbook. I'm your host, Katie Wirth, Senior Business Development Consultant with Carson Group. With me is my co-host, Mina Burns, Director of Marketing with Carson Group. How are you doing today, Mina? I'm good, Katie. I'm excited to talk about our topic today, team retreats. I love this topic, team retreats. It's... um, you know, team building is so important. Uh, I'm obviously on the marketing team as the director of marketing, and we love to do outings together to brainstorm, strategize for the year. That's a timely um, topic right now as we're kicking off a new year. Um, but yeah, I think I think retreats are a great time to spend time together as a team and talk about those things. Well, talk to me about your marketing team specifically. Obviously, we do a team retreat uh, for our business development team, but much different than marketing. What have you guys done lately to strategize? I'd say the most recent retreat we did was more of a um, team building retreat. So it wasn't necessarily involving strategic planning. Um, we did an outing where we had a pottery class. We put our we put our creative juices to work. And we each made a different piece of pottery. All of our desks are decorated with our pottery. In fact, um, our director of advisor marketing, Melissa, made a beautiful mug, but every once in a while she forgets to wash it and there's mold that grows in it. So don't borrow Melissa's mug. Good to know. I won't. I'll keep with my own. So that's a good point that it doesn't always have to be about goal planning. It can also be about team building. So we wanted to bring in an expert today, one of our executive coaches, Greg Opitz, to really talk about how you can execute a successful retreat and really also avoid the pitfalls that we hear a lot of advisors doing uh, as far as not being successful with retreats in general. Greg, welcome. Thanks, Katie. And Mina, you touched on something that I think is so critical right out of the gate. Treats? Well, treats are nice, and that's something I I try to stay away from since I just (laughs) sit and stand all day and talk with people so I don't burn enough calories to consume enough treats. Um, But I think about the concept of of team retreats and the fact that there's so many different um, pieces of value that you can get out of them. You know, you mentioned more of a team building thing. I usually focus more on strategic planning, but I think what happens is you can take a team retreat and you can gear it to the needs of the organization at the time. So I think that's the beautiful thing about retreats is, you know, take the thinking we're going to talk about today, right, and apply it in a way into your business that's going to make sense for you and your business and your challenges and your opportunities at that time. So I think that's where sometimes just rethinking about things and looking at things with a different paradigm Um, can also open up some opportunities for you. And one other thing I'll throw out before we continue this maybe into more specifics, and that is the concept of thinking. And I I think just the country as a whole, I think advisors specifically, I think almost all of us, we spend such little time thinking, right? And why is that? Because thinking is hard. Working is easy. I mean, think about it. Doing what you do every day, pretty easy. Thinking is hard. And I think that's why so many folks avoid it 
but it's so critical for your business. I couldn't it, agree with you more, Greg. I think especially, you know, you show up to work in the morning, you get your day started, and then you just get in that go, go, go mentality. Sometimes it's hard to just pause and think through what is the goal that I'm trying to accomplish for the day. I know we have our six most list that we leave on our desk at the end of the day. So that way, when we come in in the morning, we know exactly what it is we want to focus on for the following day and make sure that, you know, as you get caught up in the whirlwind, that you don't lose sight of what it is you want to focus on. Yes. And I think what happens is sometimes a retreat is simply a mechanism that at some level forces you to think. So it's just going to force you to think about your business, think about the initiatives you should be having, thinking about the opportunities and challenges in the business. So it's forcing you to think. And then equally as important, it's, it's forcing your team to sit down and think with you and have a, a good, thoughtful discussion on where you want to take things. So almost any tool or instrument or vehicle that's going to have you spend more time thinking, amen, I want to support it. So then it's a matter of saying it's one thing to spend some time thinking. Let's make sure that we execute it well. So as you're on the call with advisors and you suggest to them that they, you know, take a day to plan a retreat, a team retreat, what is the typical reaction you get from an advisor on that? Uh, It varies. So I think some of the best businesses out there who are growing at at a nice, consistent pace and have um, a great client experience, their response is, well, I'm doing retreats all the time. And, and so then in that conversation, it's much more of a tweaking and refinement discussion on how they can even enhance that experience, right? I think for the folks who maybe are struggling with some things, they're not doing retreats. So sometimes you have to um, apply a little duress, so to speak, to get people to do this. But I think if you explain just high level why you're doing this and let them know that you can help them execute, I think most people will embrace the concept of not only doing the retreat, but almost even more importantly, having good follow-up mechanisms to make sure the things that come out of the retreat are going to get done. Right. And before we get to the follow-up, let's talk a little more granular about what are some of the topics we're going to focus on during the retreat. What's our agenda look like? So, you know, you guys know that I have this simple little brain. And I like to compress everything down into the simple, right? So let's just focus on what you're trying to accomplish. I suggest if you think about this very high level, every good retreat fundamentally does two things. Number one, at, at a high level, everybody on your team has a clear understanding of what the initiatives are for the next year. Right? What are the things that we want to get accomplished? And that should be a list of four, five, six key things. So number one, everybody in the organization has clarity on where you're going. Number two, hopefully you spend some time maybe with some team building, maybe just some discussion about the vision, where the firm is going, and you've educated your team at some level. So they're now more engaged and they're more excited about where the company is going. Because let's say we don't spend much time thinking or talking about things. It's a great way to remind your team and re-educate your team in where you're going. So what does that do? Generates engagement and excitement from your team. So in a perfect world, what happens? Every good retreat has, has clarity coming out of it on where you're going, and you have a team that's now more engaged and more excited about being a part of it. So let's just start with that's the objective of what you want to do. Lots of ways to kind of get there and facilitate some things. Do that, and you're going to have a very successful um, amount of time. So when you talk to advisors and there's no follow-up after a retreat, can you pinpoint why? Uh, Well, just that. You know, uh, 
what gets measured gets done, right? So let's say you do spend um, a great day or two or maybe even three at a retreat, and you've, and you've identified the initiatives the organization should be doing. Well, if you just think, great, this was a great uh, December 15th, I guess next December 15th we'll look at this. No, 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 no. You need to immediately implement a process that's going to ensure the organization stays focused. So if I was an advisor out running my, my business, I, I would have basically three sets of meetings with my team on a monthly basis. One thing would be I will let my team do their daily huddles that they do and everything, right? I think that's good for most teams. Number two, I'd want my team to have that weekly kind of meeting. That gets into the tactical stuff and planning for the week and all the little things that happen throughout, who's going to be on vacation and those kind of things. And then once a month, maybe the last Friday of the month, what I would do is say, this is a meeting that's dedicated to nothing but the retreat. And we're even going to shut down the office for a couple hours. We're going to bring in lunch. And from 12 to 2 on that last Friday of every month, what are we going to do? We are going to focus on nothing but the initiatives from the retreat. So now what happened at the retreat? You walked out of there saying, these are the, these are the initiatives. This is the primary person responsible for it or the champion of that initiative. And here are the people who are involved. So by definition, that champion knows that each month you're going to have a meeting. They better be making progress each month. So every meeting that you come to, that champion's going to update the rest of the team, and this is the progress made, these are the challenges we're still having, etc. It's right? all about accountability, right? A piece of it's accountability, a piece of it's momentum, right? A piece of it is simply, once again, what you stay you know, focused on, you're probably going to get done. So it's a great way to say, look, I'm going to make this a priority. We're going to shut down the office, I'm going to bring in lunch, and we're going to allocate time each month to just this. By definition... You probably have people say, darn it, I got to make sure I allocate some time, you know, each day or each week to these bigger initiatives. So by definition, they need to be blocking out time each week. And maybe they just carve out, you know, Friday mornings or something from 8 until noon. I don't do any of my normal stuff. I focus on my initiative, you know, work so that each week they're making some progress. So when you're on the phone and you're talking to advisors and you, you talk to them about the retreat, you let them know for follow-up, you recommend the daily huddle, the weekly meetings, the monthly meeting focused on the initiatives from the retreat. Advisors who follow your recommendation, how likely are they to actually execute those initiatives versus those who might you know, try and do it without a formal plan in place or meeting schedule? That's, I, mean, I love your question and I love how you framed it. So much of this comes down to execution error, right? So you, you, sometimes retreats don't get executed very well. We didn't spend a lot of time there, but let's not for today. Let's just talk about the follow-up. By definition, execution error. So what happens is you've now minimized the likelihood of execution error by implementing some sort of good follow-up mechanism. Those are the advisors then who get much more of those, many more of those initiatives completed during the year. And once again, you don't need to get every initiative done every year because if you do, your initiatives might be too easy, mm -hmm. right? But you're going to get the majority of them done and done well by having that mechanism. So I would suggest that's one of the keys, Mina, is just that, that monthly meeting very much enhances and increases the likelihood of that initiative being completed. And it avoids the execution error that happens in so many things that all of us do. Absolutely. I like to hear real, real world examples. Can you tell us about a retreat of one of your advisors that you know was successful and they did really great follow up? 
Well, oh boy, well, there's lots of them. I mean, so I think let, let, let's talk just about um, wh what happens with the initiatives first. So I, here's just so that we can then get into some specifics. So I think for many advisors, the, the average firm in a normal initiative, you're going to walk out of that initiative with what I would suggest are two fundamental things. You're going to have some initiatives that are more foundational in nature. Things that are going to make the firm better. Everything from could be human capital or some new technology or things that are going to enhance the client experience. Then you have some initiatives that are more focused on growth, right? So you're always having a little bit of a wrestle of where is the where is the organization right now on the S curve? Are we more growing? We focus on growth because we have things in great shape, or are we more focused on the foundation? So I think what happens is each retreat will have its own kind of flavor and mix of foundational items versus growth items. So I think simply what happens, you know, with your good question, Katie, is because there's not great clarity that these are the foundational items we're working on, they, the team's simply going to stay focused on those items and they're going to be successful. So I think just about the ability to, for example, um, I've seen things lately, a lot of very popular things are websites and videos to be added to websites and things on the marketing side that I know Amina loves. So those are things that because they got agreed upon at the retreat, you've seen the advisor get focused on those and all of a sudden websites get, get completed much more quickly and great videos get produced simply because it was an initiative. There were folks involved and responsible for it. It gets done. Event strategies could be the same way. All of a sudden now you have a group of people focused on getting event, event strategies implemented that you may not have, right? So many different things. I know something dear to you, Mina, social media. A lot of folks have social media initiatives, right? And, and to enhance that whole digital presence. Those are things that just because they get focused on, they get completed. If, so, and one last thing, a lot of my advisors have been buying practices. So what happens then? That initiative list in those kind of years may get compressed down to maybe three or four things. But what's the big initiative for the first half of the year? Digesting the acquisition. And then you have three or four or five sub points under there. What does the organization do? They know that the advisor wants us to be focused on digesting this acquisition. They know the things that need to get done. The organization just gets very focused on those items. Acquisition gets digested much more quickly, much more efficiently, the better client onboarding process, right? So it's just a matter of the more planning you do, the more success you have. Yeah, and I would say, you know, just from my experience and working closely with our Carson Group partners, when it comes to strategic planning for marketing, most of them are doing their marketing commitments in their planning retreat. So then they'll come to me afterwards, we'll hop on what I call a marketing consultation call, go through their list of ideas, then they put them on paper, they calendar them out. So that way when they have those monthly check-ins post-retreat, they know what's upcoming for that month that they need to focus on for execution. And that way there's clarity across everybody on the team. You have the accountability factor for whoever owns implementation, but I've noticed if somebody can define their plan or define their initiatives, they're so much more likely if they get them on paper with dates to execute on those things. Um, and, the, and then we can tie that directly to growth. So I think planning is a huge part of, you know, what needs to happen at the end of the year, beginning of that upcoming year. That's ridiculously good. I mean, what happens is so much of the time advisors will um, say, oh, I used this marketing firm and they were horrible. And I, and I asked them, so how much time did you actually spend like at your retreat or with your team 
really sitting down and clearly identifying your story and your value proposition and your why. So you had such great clarity with that, you could take that to the marketing person and you could share with them, this is who we are. This is what we want to accomplish. So then they could go, great, I love the story. Let me help you put it down on paper, right? Let me help you get it into a digital format, whatever. So, so much of the time on the marketing side, I think people, advisors are unsuccessful because they haven't spent enough time really thinking about those things and getting great clarity there before they start doing the work. So what does it mean? Everybody wants to get working because that's easy. They don't want to spend the time up front thinking about what they really want to get accomplished and what their story really should be. So the more, the more time they spend thinking and preparing, the easier it is for you on the marketing side to deliver a great product back. Absolutely. You guys are so good at this. I could listen to you all day. But I have a question about big picture thinking. Is a retreat like this something that you would talk about, what we call the BHAG? the big, hairy, audacious goals? I think it can be. And I think um, I have some very large offices that actually have executive committees that get away for... I, I have one firm that gets away three days a quarter, a quarter, 12 days a year, to do nothing but strategic thinking. And they think about the big BHAG things, and they take them back to the team, and they more lead that retreat. I think other teams are in offices are less mature, and I think the team can be involved at some level with the advisor. Um, but at the end of the day, ultimately, the business owner has to be the one really driving a lot of that strategic thinking in the direction of the firm. That's why they're the business owner. That's why they're the CEO. So I think part of this gets back to some of the blueprinting and such that gets done and the thinking they do before the retreat even happens. But those big BHAG goals are going to come out of an executive team or the business owner more so than the team. But I think the team can help put some structure around it and then help you know discuss how it can get executed. Very good. So do you have any examples then? I asked you earlier. You never said it. Well, examples of great retreats. Well, yeah, I think lots of them that they walk out of the retreat, once again, they're great clarity. So that happens a lot. And then I'll get the, I actually get meeting notes from a lot of the retreats that just note very specifically, um, these were the initiatives that we came up with. And then what, what I can then do from a coaching and consulting perspective, I can then help talk, I can talk with them about how I can help execute, how I can help them avoid, you know, mishaps along the way and misfires with different things. And depending on the initiatives, offer some, hopefully some insights on how they can be most successful. I can also then provide some accountability along the way. So I, I can, if, Katie, if you want a lot of specific things, I can. It gets back to foundational and growth items. So, I mean, we have acquisitions that are a big thing right now, different organic growth um, um, options, everything from developing centers of influence to um, asking for more referrals and more event strategies. All of those things occur on a regular basis. Um, one thing I will say, I think over the last few years, you're seeing, I think, more and more of the successful firms being very comfortable allocating more and more energy to the foundational items, 
right? You're seeing the digital and pre the presence being enhanced with the websites and social media oh, yeah. and stuff, which means, you know, once again, you'll be fond of. You're seeing bigger investments in technology, you know, the e-monies of the world and, and better performance reporting and CRM. So you're seeing investments in technology and trying to do more there. Uh, you're seeing development of human capital, hiring client relationship managers. Those are all foundational items that have been coming out of the retreats to add human capital, add better technology, ultimately deliver a better client experience. So I think you're seeing a lot of initiative, initiatives in that type of um, vein that I think has really helped a lot of firms because their story now is so much better. That's what's generating organic growth for, for many folks. Here's a question for you, Greg. Let's say an advisor is listening to this podcast and you know they revisit this concept in April, once they get through tax season. Um, what do you think about mid-year planning retreats? Does it need to happen at the very beginning of the year, or the very end of the year? You know, if, if they don't do it at that time, is it going to defeat the purpose? No, no, yeah, I love your question. I think so many folks do them in December and January because the calendar says so. I get, I get back to, I think it's, it's, it's always a good time to spend time thinking. It's always a good time to get your team together. If nothing else, just to have a barometer check of where you are. I mean, you mentioned the team building stuff. So, no, I, I don't care what month it is or where we are in the calendar. Spending time thinking, spending time getting your team together, making sure everybody's on the same page, everybody's excited, that is time hugely well spent. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. We covered why you should execute a team retreat, how to follow through to really see the initiatives come to fruition. And we shared with you what we see working for our 5,000 advisors. So if you want to share with us what you see working as well, please contact us at info at carsongroup.com. And I have a request of all of our listeners of this podcast. If you could subscribe to the podcast, we would really appreciate it. Like the podcast, leave a comment for us. Any interaction you can have with this podcast will help other advisors find this information just like you have. Thank you for listening to the Financial Advisors Playbook. Thank you for listening to the Financial Advisors Playbook. If you're interested in learning more about how we make the complex simple for financial advisors and the investors they serve, check us out at carsongroup.com. To hear additional episodes or suggest a topic of discussion, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.